If you'd turn with me and go, please, to uh, the book of 3 John. They'll put it on the screen for us. 3 John, just one chapter in the first verse. We've been on this for some weeks when I've been with you, and the Lord has worked this in my heart for months now. And uh, I believe we're to a very significant juncture in this. So you just prayed with me, right? You're believing with me. Just because truth exists or utterance is given, that doesn't mean it's automatic. You've got to have ears to hear it. There's so many different factors. But his truth changes us from glory to glory. And his truth makes us free. Well, here's a great truth. Verse 1, he said, The elder to the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Verse 2, Beloved, I wish... Other translations say, I pray or I desire above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Can we receive this as God speaking to us? The word, you should always. Is it his desire, God's desire, our Father's desire above all things that we prosper? That we be healthy as our inner man prospers? Is it his will? It is. It is. Even though many have talked contrary to it, it's his will. In fact, God would be out of keeping and out of agreement with every good father and mother if he wanted his children to suffer lack and not have what they need. And not be able to enjoy any nice things or any good things. I mean, how, how do you reconcile that? You'd call that a bad parent. Right? What, what parent sees their child kicked out into the street with not enough to eat and goes, well, good for them. They'll learn something. That pleases me. No, you, that, you, you, can't, you can't reconcile any way that can be okay in a good parent. Well, why do people believe that about God? You know, there are people who try to tell you that God was in you losing everything you had. That God was in you getting this terminal or incurable disease. There are millions of church-going people believe this, but they believe lies. I said they believe lies. Doctrines of demons is a phrase from the New Testament, and you don't have to go to a Satanist church to hear them. <laughs> Doctrines of demons come across pulpits in Christian churches, and uh, Lord help us not to be a part of this, right? Help us, and, and the way you can avoid that is to hold yourself close, close, close to the written word of God. Examine everything and no matter if it's me preaching or who it is, you should always be thinking, where's the scripture? Where, where's the scripture? Right? Where, and not just a half of an isolated verse. If it's really the Bible, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. If it's really the Bible, you'll find it in different places from Genesis to Revelation. Notice with me also in Psalm 35, Psalm 35, 27, it said, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually. Is this something you should say all the time? <laughs> Let the Lord be magnified. Well, everybody agrees with that, right? Which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Not everybody agrees with that. Is it true or not? That God does take pleasure in our prospering. And the word, sometimes people have an aversion to the word prosper or prosperity, but it's Bible words. But if you look up the definition, it basically means to succeed. Success. To have plenty 
is to succeed in reaching, is one definition. That means you don't run out before you get paid again. You don't have more month than you do money. <laughs> run out of money before you run out of month. Anybody know about Don't raise your hand. But you, huh? That's not prosperous when you run out of money before you run out of month. Prospering is that when you run out of month, you still got money. Right? You got money left over, even though the month is past. That's, is that God's will or not? Is he a God of lack, of running short, or is he a God of abundance? Did Jesus say, I came that you might have life? One translation said, to have and enjoy life, to the full until it overflows. Is he the God of good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over? Is he the God who runs your cup over? He is. He is. He hasn't changed. Men's ideas about him have changed. People's preaching and doctrines have changed. But he hasn't changed and never will. Now go with me please in the scriptures to the book of uh, John the third chapter and the 16th verse. John 3, 16. I said, that sounds familiar. Yeah, it does. <laughs> John 3. Now, before we go further, do you know all there is to know about John 3, 16? I hope you said no. Nobody's ever exhausted all the light and truth and life out of any verse. John 3.16, what does it say? For God so loved the world that he did what? Gave. That he gave. That he gave. His only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. In other scripture it said God's not willing that any should perish. Perishing is not God's will for anybody in any area. Don't let anybody tell you any different. It's not his will that any should perish. Period. Stealing, killing, destroying is the work of the evil one. That's what Jesus said. But that you should have everlasting life. Some decades ago, I know I don't look that old, but decades ago, in a time of prayer and fellowship with the Lord, the Lord spoke this to my heart. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me distinctly. He said, the greatest expression of love is giving. The greatest expression of love is giving. And when I heard that, I didn't immediately receive it. You know, no matter what you think you hear from God, you need to check it out with the Word. Right? Because there are many voices, <laughs> the scripture said. And all of them got something to say. And I thought, well, I, Lord, that, I believe that's you, but I don't know that I would want to say that. Because, you know, people say, well, sure, a preacher would say that. The greatest expression of love is giving. Now let's pass the plate. <laughs> See how much you love, you know. <laughs> I said, Lord, I, I, I don't know. That, that doesn't seem quite right to me. And as I'm pondering this, this verse came to me with strength. For God so loved the world that he did what? Gave. He gave. Now, now who would argue that this is the greatest expression of love that's ever been demonstrated? Who would argue with that? There is no greater demonstration expression of love than this. And it is giving. It's giving. For decades now, it's puzzled me why the devil fights giving so hard. Why it's such a contentious subject. We've received 
many ugly letters about talking about giving. It's been an area we've been persecuted as much or more than any other area. Talking about that God's a God of abundance and giving, sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest. It, it just irritates a lot of people. Makes them mad. Makes them upset. And in, in seeking the answers to why, why would people care? A lot of these people don't know us. They've got no money in it. It's not costing them anything. Why would they care? But they do. Some have. Vehemently so. What's going on? What is, what is the issue? And the Lord began to show me. Did you know what the first murder in the earth was over? It was over an offering. Over an offering. These things do matter. They're a very big thing. They always have been. People try to avoid the subject because it reveals things about the heart. God so loved the world that he what? He gave. Didn't say he loved the world so much that he yelled from heaven, I love you. It's great to tell people that you love them, but that's not the greatest expression. It didn't say the Lord loved so much that he said, I have this feeling. Oh, I just feel. Feelings are great. I'll take all the good feelings I can get. But feelings are fickle. And they change. And there's all kind of people that are on their, on their fourth marriage now. Because they think love is only a feeling. And you know, and when the thrill is gone, sorry I don't love you anymore. <laughs> and uh, you know, so they're unstable. Because if they feel, they do. If they don't feel, they don't. Sorry, I thought I loved you, but I don't feel it no more. <laughs> and the thing is, the new wears off of everything. So what are you going to do when it's no longer new with the next person? And you get up one morning and you feel different. <laughs> you become completely unreliable. You, can be, you become unstable. And you will be a lonely individual. And that's not good. It's sad. But you'll wind up alone. Things can change. You can become a strong child of God. Not dominated by your feelings. Love is a person. Not a feeling. And in living by love. Love is a choice. Not an emotion. Love is a choice. And the greatest expression. Of that love and that choice. Is giving. God so loved. An unthankful. Disobedient rebellious world that he chose to give hallelujah the greatest he had his love should never be questioned he has demonstrated beyond any shadow of doubt his love for you and for me his love shouldn't be questioned the question is do we love him do we love him? Well, same thing is true. With him, the greatest expression of love was and is giving. What about with us? Same thing. The greatest expression of love is giving. Not just giving money, but giving. You begin the new birth and the walk of the Christian life by giving your life to him. Is that right? Giving your heart giving your mind, giving your life. But just because you're born again, that's not the end of the giving. That's the beginning. I said that's the beginning of giving. If you love him, you give to him. If you love people, you give to people. Is it correct? The greatest expression of love is giving. Go with me, please, 
to the book of Acts. Acts 4, if you'd please go there. And the 31st verse. When you are full of God, you're full of love. Love is not a feeling. Love's a person. Choosing to live and walk by love is a choice, not just an emotion. The scripture says here in the very early days of the church of which we are a part of the same church. Sometimes people talk about the early church, but it's the same church as us. Same new birth, same Holy Spirit, same great commission, right? When they had prayed, and this was when uh, two amazing things have happened in the beginning days of the church, if you've read the book of Acts. One was they all got filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I mean, spectacular. Flames, wind blowing through the house. I mean, it's happening. Then right after that, there was the astounding sign miracle of the man who was laid at the gate beautiful, whom the whole town knew they walked by him all the time, who sat out there and begged and had been this way uh, uh, all his life. And uh, he is miraculously healed. Miraculously. And everybody knows it. It's all over town. And so they were threatened and commanded not to preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. The uh, scribes and Sadducees and Pharisees thought they had squashed this Jesus thing when Jesus was sent to the cross. But this thing is not done. It's not squashed, and it's just getting out of hand. (laughs) And uh, even though they didn't realize it, it was going to get way more out of hand. And this thing got out of hand all over the earth. I'm laughing because it makes the devil so mad. (laughs) Tough. He cannot stop it. He He cannot. He cannot. The church is all over the world. And growing. Hallelujah. Increasing. But uh, here again they pray about it. And and the place is shaken where they're assembled together. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God of boldness. How many would agree the church at this point is alive and full of fire and close to God? And the move of God is on. Would you agree with me? This is not a backslid cold church. (laughs) This is how church is supposed to be. Full of the Spirit. Boldly proclaiming the word of God. Look Now look what goes with this. Verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. It's the very next verse. Talks about their money and possessions. You cannot separate the two. There's no such thing as an on-fire believers, on-fire church who don't give. Are y'all with me, friends? No such thing. When people, I mean, this goes all the way back in the Old Testament. You, You look when God's first covenant people, when they'd get away from God, one of the first things that stopped was the tithing and giving and the support for the temple and the priest and the sacrifice. But when they got back to God, that's the first thing that came back, was the giving and the tithing and the sacrifices. You cannot separate them. And this makes people mad. They don't want to talk about it. And people tend to go to whatever church matches their commitment level. <laughs> That's right. If they don't want to commit past a certain point, then they don't want to hear about it. So they don't want to go to a church that talks about more commitment than they're at are willing to do. But you know life is real short friend. It's going to be over in a hurry. And we need to give God a full commitment. We don't just need. Phyllis and I were talking about this the other day. We don't just need to add God to our life. 
She's got some good things about that. I hope she preaches on it sometime. We don't just add God to our life. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. Right? We go to Him. He runs our life. Not ourselves. That requires a full, complete commitment. And if that is there, then you're not wrestling with giving. You are a giver, and you'll give anything and everything you've got. Whatever he says, that's what you'll do, and you'll do it just like that. Don't get concerned. We've already received the offering. There's not going to be a second offering today. You can relax. But we're not just talking about offering time. Giving is something that you know, happens all the time. Monday morning at work. Look at this. What, what was going on? None of them said all of the things which he possessed was his own. So there was no fighting over that's mine. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. People were using each other's stuff. I got to go to the field and, and, and get, get the corn and get this and get the wheat. And the guy said, hey, take my, my ox team and, and my wagon. I'm not using it today. Take it. All things were common. Now, that doesn't mean that the government took it away and distributed it as they saw fit. That's stealing. That's oppression. No, no, no. There's all kind of people from hippies in the 60s to socialists to communists have tried to use this verse as justification for them taking from the rich and giving to whoever they decided were the worthy poor. That couldn't be further from the truth. Nobody's making anybody do anything. Nobody's taking anything from anybody. But these folks were full of the Spirit. These folks are on fire for God. And the more on fire for God you get, the less uh, money and things mean to you. And the closer to God you are, the closer to eternity you are. And the more aware you are that all this stuff is only good for use for a little while. And loving a car is stupid. <laughs> loving a house is stupid. It sticks. It's metal. It's plastic. It's rubber. It's going to be gone. It's going to melt with fervent heat. It's only good for use for a little while to accomplish something. And if it's not being used to accomplish something in connection with God, it's a waste. Yes. Ultimately, no matter what you think of it and how great you think it is, it will mean nothing in just a few short years. They knew that they, because they're close to God. Keep reading. Verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Did they know about grace? No, I mean, did they know about grace? Many have talked about a revolution of grace and, and a movement of grace. They knew about grace. And real grace is no different now than it was then. Great grace. Somebody say great grace. They are flowing in great grace. And the Bible doesn't exaggerate. Verse 34. Neither was there what? Any among them. Now you need to realize. I've heard people say. You know. Well, I don't want to go to that. You know. Faith Life Church. It's too big. That's laughable. Now, I want to go to a small church. I want to go to a, a. You know. A New Testament church. That's laughable. The first day. When the people were filled with the spirit. 3,000 people were saved. Then not long after that. 5,000. And they were added to the church daily. Such as should be saved. 
they're at least 10,000 member church. At least. That's a New Testament church. You don't get any more New Testament than Acts. Is that right? People have such goofy ideas. You know, you know what people are looking for? They're looking for a place that requires nothing of them that they can run. They want to run something. They want to tell people what to do. <laughs> That's another message. <laughs> but among all these thousands of people, you couldn't find anybody that was going hungry. Or didn't have something to wear. Or a place to stay. Are their bills paid? Among tens and scores of thousands in the church. If God could do it then, can he do it now? Come on. Has he changed? He, he never changes. How about Faith Life Church? Not one that lacked. Oh, come on. Y'all. Not one that lacked. Not one. You couldn't find a one. That said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not having enough to eat. I don't have enough. No, not a one. Why? Because they were such givers. Amen. That's why. For as many as were possessors. Now that word means owners. Owners. That were owners of lands or houses sold them. And brought the prices of the things that were sold. Verse 35. And laid them down at the apostles feet. And distribution was made to every man according as he had need. This is an indication of people who are full of the spirit. This is an indication of people who love God. With all their heart, their soul, their mind. Their strength, and their strength includes their material strength, their financial strength and ability. It's always been this way. A church on fire, church close to God, is a giving church. Greater the love, greater the giving. I know people despise that, but they despise something holy, and and, and you need to watch out because you can get judged. These people, now, people tend to read this in a, in a, I don't know, like it's not really real. Do you think their houses and properties meant as much to them then as ours do to us now? Yeah. Yeah. Were they as challenging to get? As challenging to pay for? We're talking about, don't just read past this. These are folks They got houses and they're paid for. They got land and it's paid for. Elsewise you couldn't, you're not the owner. They own it. And of course, if the bank owned it, when they sold it, they couldn't give the money to the apostles. They had to own it. Would you sell a paid for house and give it to the church? (laughs) Would you, would you sell hundred acres of land. Some have done it. But this is what's going on. People are selling. Some of it maybe has been in their family for three generations. Some of it maybe it took them 30 years to get it paid off. And they are choosing to sell it and give all of the money they got out of it to affect that everybody's needs are met and that the will of God and the plan of God is being accomplished. Can you see this? This is great love. Somebody say, great love, great giving. They're inseparable. What's the greatest expression of love? Giving. Well, God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. We can't give ourselves for another's sins. That's already been done. Doesn't need to be done. Do we have nothing to give? No, we have things to give too. We can give love, time, 
We can give friendship. We can give stuff. So they came and they laid him down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made to every man according as he had need. So with scores of thousands of people and numbers of people doing this, we're talking about a lot of finances. A lot of money is flowing here. Verse 36, And Joses, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Why would the word record this for us? Why is this recorded? Because God was pleased with this. It's too quiet. Am I reading the Bible or not? God was pleased with this. Now these folks are long gone from the earth. Centuries ago. How many of them think regret that now? (laughs) Selling that house. Selling that 50 acres. How many of them think today in heaven think, man, wish I hadn't have done that. Not a one. Not a one. Because they had the revelation. This stuff is just, it's just temporary. What's more important, the people of God, the things of God right now. Most people are not close enough to God. They don't live in that awareness. And the love is not to that degree and measure. Now it said they laid it at the apostles' feet. Some in our day have made it a habit to walk up during the the service and put money on the uh, steps or, you know, and I believe they're they're thinking they're basing it off this, but uh, that doesn't compare with this. Walking up and interrupting somebody preaching and putting down a five or a 20 has little in common with this. Are y'all with me or not? And there's no reason to assume they did this while these people were preaching. That's a stretch. That's a presumption. We're talking about you sold your house. (laughs) And you're bringing what you got for it. And you're making your in laying it at the feet of the apostles, you're signifying I'm laying it at the feet of the master, at the Lord. I want to see his people's needs met. I want to see the church taken care of. I want to see this done. And numbers of people were doing this. I think it's a stretch to assume they're interrupting these people as they're preaching and teaching. And it wasn't with some token trinket, houses. Lands, estates, these are major components in people's lives. What comes next? But (laughs) a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession too. And they kept back part of the price. They did what? Kept back. Kept back is what people were not doing. Hold back. Keep back. Why would you want to hold back? Why would you want to keep back? It just meant too much to you. To let that go. I just... (laughs) I just, you know, I didn't know I was going to get that much money for that. (laughs) And that's just too much to give in one offering. And so they, they kept back, held back, and they brought a certain part of it, and they laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. 
and to keep back part of the price of the land. Does that sound like most preachers today? If somebody brought a big sum of money (laughs) to give it to the church and the preacher said, you lying to God. Where's the rest of it? Uh, People are so sensitive and so touchy about these things that many pastors and preachers, they won't preach on it at all. They won't dare bring up tithing. They won't bring up offerings. People are ashamed of offerings. They try to not talk about it at all. Maybe put a little box in the back and and not not even mention it. But God has never changed. And even though people don't want to believe it, they try to reject it out of hand. Do you remember on one occasion, Jesus was standing by the receptacle watching what people put in the offering. Do you remember that? He's watching how much they put in. What if a preacher did that today? (laughs) Here the receptacle's going, and I, I walked out and said, let me see that. Okay. All right. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, would that be talked about? Oh, would people get indignant? How dare he? How did? And without realizing what they're saying is God has no business talking about my business. God has no right. None of his representatives have any right to say anything about my money, my stuff, that is off limits. Stick to your preaching, preacher. <laughs> well, you know, people say, what's that got to do with anything? Do we want a move of God? Do we want the kind of things we read in the book of Acts? Do we want God to be pleased? Do we want his spirit moving and miracles? And It all goes together. It all goes together. Peter looked at Ananias and he said, what happened to you? You let the devil put this in your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land. Verse 4, while it remained, was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not in your own power? Clear evidence, nobody's making them do anything. Come on, can you see this? Nobody made him do this. And if he'd only wanted to give half, he could have just said, I'm giving half. Right? Right. And nobody would have condemned him. What's the problem? He's lying. He thought he's lying to, to preachers. He thought, ain't no big deal. Who will know? Well, God knows. And he can show it to somebody else if he wants to. He showed it to Peter. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. He's acting like God's not real. He's acting like the Lord didn't know. Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. That means he died. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. This is in the New Testament church where when great grace was on them all. How did this happen in the age of grace? Some people try to say, well, they weren't really saved. They weren't. They probably wouldn't saved. Oh no, that don't fly. Peter knew him by name. Peter knew him by name, Ananias. He calls his name. What are you thinking, Ananias? And it says after this, great fear came on all the church. Well, if they knew it was non-church people, why would fear come on the church? And if all Ananias and Sapphira's sins, past, present, and future, had already been taken care of and dealt with and no judgment can come regardless of what they say or do, how 
did this happen? Selah. <laughs> Judgment can happen in the church, yes. in the age of grace. Yes. If you don't believe it, you don't believe this book. You don't believe the book of Acts. Judgment can happen in believers' lives. Yes, all our sins have been paid for, past, present, and future. But it doesn't mean we enjoy righteousness and keeping irrespective of what we do or what we believe. If you violate light and you refuse to repent, you don't judge yourself, the same New Testament says you'll be judged. There's some doctrines that are not right concerning grace. Great grace was on them all, and two church members fell dead because of judgment. Why so serious? Why so severe? Why so quick? What's so serious about this that this happened in the church? With believers. I've wondered that same thing for years. And the Lord gave me answers. Hallelujah. I'm I'm excited today. To have answers. We've been having church around here for decades. Should we be growing and maturing to where we can hear about some of these things? Talk about some of these things. We, We shouldn't just pick. You know, just a few places here and there that we like and only talk about that. We should look at all the scriptures. What happened here? The scripture says, Galatians says, God is not mocked. Did you hear that? God's not mocked. They were mocking him. Acting like he didn't know acting like he didn't see. They were mocking what the others were doing, and what the others were doing was precious to God and holy to him. Precious and holy to him. These people are selling first, second, third, fourth generation family estates They're selling houses. They're sowing. They're sacrificing. Nobody's making them do it. They're doing it. Come on, why are they doing it? Help me out. Why are they doing it? Because they love God more than they do those houses and those things. And they love God's people. Can you see this? More than they love that stuff. They were as attached to their stuff. You know, in the natural, as as anybody else would be. Can't say it didn't matter to them. They were flipping about it. These are houses, lands, properties. And here Ananias and Sapphira, why did they they even do this? They wanted the acknowledgement. In the church there, people respected this. They saw what it was. And it meant somebody that really loves God. Somebody that's committed to God beyond where most folks are. They wanted the the recognition. They wanted the acknowledgement. They wanted the blessing. But they weren't willing to make the sacrifice. And they mocked what was happening. By their deception, dishonesty, they were making a mockery of it. The Bible said in Hebrews 13, 16, to do, in doing good and giving to others, God is well pleased with such offerings. Everybody say, well pleased, well pleased, well pleased. God was well pleased. That's one of the reasons why he had it recorded. For all of us, for us to be talking about all these centuries later, he had this recorded because it pleased him. He wants to see it again. (laughs) That was weak. (laughs) He wants to see it again. Can you outgive God? Help me out with that. Can you you outgive God? Uh -uh. Can you be covetous and selfish 
and keep back and hold back and be robbed. Look with me in Galatians. Galatians 6, verse 2. Thank you, Lord. I know some of these things are a bit weighty, but some of you have been walking with the Lord for scores of years. Should be able to eat something besides a little half a cup of milk. Right? (laughs) Should have some spiritual teeth that you can chew with a little bit. Galatians 6, 2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The Young's Literal says, so fill up the law of Christ. Verse 6, let him that's taught in the word communicate or share or give to him that teaches in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. In, uh, in them lying and pretending they were doing what these other people were doing, they committed a great offense. How many know for them to fall dead that day, obviously they committed a great offense, whether you understand it or not. This is not Old Testament. This is not under the law. This is New Testament. How did this happen? Well, the Bible said if you don't judge yourself, also New Testament, you'll be judged. And that's so you won't be condemned with the world. I, in my thinking, Ananias and Sapphira were saved. They made a big mistake. And they didn't repent fast enough. They kept trying to hide it and cover it. They were judged. I think we'll see them in heaven. And they won't want to talk about it. <laughs> so don't, don't bring it up. <laughs> Just don't bring it up. But what, why was it so serious? Why was what they did so serious? The Bible said that we are to Let me read this again. Fill up the law of Christ. Another verse, interesting one, talks about filling up that which is behind of Christ's sufferings. What does that mean? God so loved the world that he sacrificed. Is that right? There's nothing he had that was greater than in value than his son. There's nothing he loved more. This sacrifice, how many would agree, this sacrifice is holy. Is it holy? Not to be mocked. Not to be slandered. Well, these people in the early days of the church, why are they doing what they're doing? Why are they willing to sell everything they got and give it all. Why? Who'd they learn that from? Who are they imitating? They're following in the steps of their master who was willing to give everything he had so we could be safe. They're acting like him and what Ananias and Sapphira, I'm sure they were way ignorant what they were doing, but in mocking what the people were doing, they were mocking whom they were imitating. They were mocking God and mocking Jesus because of that love. And this is the devil, oh, he hates this. And that's why he mocks, he slanders. He tries to, you know, get people away from giving and big giving and slander. And there are a lot of crooks out there. There are a lot of people who try to prophesy money out of your pocket into theirs. And if you get swindled, it's your fault. Who put a gun to your head? Who made you give? Y'all with me or not? You got the Holy Spirit. If you listen to him, you won't waste money. You won't give it to the wrong place. He'll check you. No, don't do that. Don't get involved in that. Don't get in that. But then there are other times he prompts you. Get involved in that. 
And there are times he will ask you for your Isaac. Every one of us. What's the Isaac? Abraham's only son. That it took him a lifetime to even get. That they thought they never would be able to get. And as soon as they get him, God says, give him to me. The reason he's in the book is because he loved God so much and trusted God so much and believed in God's love for him so much, he was willing to give everything he had, the most precious thing that he had, all that he had, and in doing so became God's covenant friend and proving that his man was willing to do it for him gave God the perfect legal right to give his only begotten son for the seed of Abraham. Can you say amen? Amen. When Ananias and Sapphira lied about it, got up in front, wanted to act like they had that same kind of heart as God, that same kind of heart as Jesus, that same kind of heart as Barnabas and these other folk that are willing to give everything they had and they're lying and they're making a mockery of it. It was just too much that day. It was too much. They, go, they went too far. And they died right there on the spot. Friends, we need to count holy what God counts holy. We need to count precious what he counts precious. We need to let it motivate us. We need to let it change our priorities. Not just on church day, not just during offering time, all the time. God will deal with you to give some of your favorite jewelry to maybe somebody that you work with or maybe a complete stranger. He'll deal with you to do things for your neighbors and do things. It's an act of love. But it's your favorite thing. (laughs) There's only one way to demonstrate you love God, you love people more than you love money and stuff. Do you know what way that is? There's only one way. You've got to give it. It's got to leave you. And you've got to turn loose of it willingly. Nobody prying it out of your hands. And it's got to go the way the Lord has directed you to do. And if you're willing to do that, You are fulfilling the law of Christ. God was willing to give the greatest thing he had. All that he had. Jesus was willing to give all that he had. And that love has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And as we let that love dominate us. Let that love govern us. Freely you have received. Freely it will go. And money and stuff won't mean to you what it used to mean to you and you'll become a giver on a scale that's imitating God. No, you can't give what he gave but if it's all you got. Isn't that what Jesus said when he watched the offering that day and the widow woman came and put in the two little mites? Might have been worth a penny. What did he say? He smiled. He got excited. Jesus at the offering plate. He said, would you look at this? He made an example. He told everybody about it. Now, a lot of people would have been scrambling up there and go, no, dear. No, no. You take your pennies back. We have to give to you. You're the one in need. No, that's wrong. I said, that's wrong. You can't be her source. Let her do what God put on her heart. Let her demonstrate how much she loves God. Come on here with me. Let her do it and watch God take care of her. Hallelujah. Glory. We need to get delivered from ungodly, worldly thinking that's perpetuated in church. Now, what did he say? Y'all see this woman here? She outgave everybody in here today. There were rich people in there. They had given big amounts. They looked at each other. What? She outgave everybody. Everybody. Why? Because you, you, you token gave. You gave something you won't even miss. She gave everything she had. All her living. What does that prove? She completely loves God. 
she completely believes he loves her and she completely trusts him to take care of her. And if you mock that and you make fun of that and you judge that, you're on dangerous ground. Because it's the same thing God did for us. It's what Jesus did for us. It's the law of Christ. You could say the law of a real Christian. A willingness to sacrifice all. Not so I can act holy, if it'll help you. Come on, can you see this? Not so people will notice me like Ananias and Sapphira were trying to be noticed. If your sacrifice doesn't help anybody, what good did that do? Jesus' sacrifice helped us. Right? We needed it. We desperately needed it. And if your sacrifice, even though it costs you, maybe it costs you significantly, if it really helps somebody, you're acting like the Christ. You're acting like the anointed one. And it pleases the Father. Can you say amen? Amen. Which is why he loves a cheerful giver. Not just on Sunday. (laughs) Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. At home. At work. Did you know your family is good ground? I said, did you know your family is good ground? Your husband, your, your wife, your sisters, your brothers, your kids, grandkids. They're good ground too. Do you know your fellow employees can be good ground? They don't have to earn it. God deals with you to give it to them. Give it to them. Just give it to them. The Lord blessed Phyllis and I just a few days ago to sow something into somebody's life that was significant to them. We had no idea. It was a sacrifice for us. Big sacrifice for us, personally. Uh, Not something we were planning on doing. But uh, the reports we heard back, we had no idea what God was doing and what it meant to them. We had no idea. No idea. But God knows. I said God knows. And his love is manifested. Hallelujah. And these thanksgiving go up to God. From people who see how much he loves them. And, and how he heard their prayers. And he knew the desires of their heart. And he knew what would bless them and help them. Can you see when a people get on fire for God? When you see... A church gets full of the Holy Spirit and full of God, they get full of love because God is love. And when you're full of love, you are full of giving because the greatest expression of love is giving. I can hardly wait to turn you loose (laughs) on each other and on the world because you're going to go out of here and love people. Which means you're going to go out of here and give yeah. to people. Yeah. Phyllis and I stopped one day. We, we saw somebody that we knew. And they had been a, uh, a strong believer and a, a great supporter of Christian ministries for years and years. And we happened to see them at the, at the gas station, filling up their car. And Phyllis said, I want to stop by there and pay for his gas. I said, okay. So we whipped in there and we jumped out and we said, let us pay. We, we knew each other. They were from a different town. And they said, uh, what? Because they were kind of wealthy. And, and, and they said, you can pay for my gas. So yeah, we're paying for your gas. You get to ride free today. <laughs> and he began to cry. Big, big tears rolled down. He said, I, I give, I give. He said, nobody's ever done that for me before in my life. And it was, I don't know, $30. But boy, it meant something to him. Yeah. Can you see this? Yeah. You don't have to have a lot of money. It's the heart that makes the gift acceptable. And when the Spirit of God deals with you to do something, it's much more than about that money and stuff. He's already done something on the other end. He's just ready for you to connect with it. And when you do, He's going to manifest. I've told you this before, but it'll bear repetition. As a first-year Rhema student, Phyllis and I were so broke. You know, man, there were times I fasted, not because I was trying to be spiritual. It was just a choice between lunch or gas money to get home. That's that's how tight we were. And I was in a service, and a young man was preaching, and I was really blessed by what God was bringing through him. And the Lord dealt with me, sow him your $5. That's all I had to my name. I had a $5 bill in my front pocket. And I didn't want to do it because it wasn't much. I didn't want to do it. 
And the Lord had to deal with me three or four more times. And finally, I said, I'm going to be disobedient if I don't do that. So I said, okay, okay, all right. So I came up, and I waited in line, and, and he was talking to some people. And finally, he turned around, and he said, uh, hi. I said, uh, I, uh, I, I was really blessed by your ministry. And I, I just wanted to, I, I crumpled it up real small, you know, where you couldn't, <laughs> couldn't tell what did they, yeah, you, like you've never done it, and, and, and I said, uh, uh, hold up your head there, Jack, I said, uh, I, I just wanted to, wanted to sow this in to you, when I touched his hand, the Spirit of God fell on both of us, we looked at each other, we laughed, we cried, we didn't know whether to fall down or run, I mean the Holy Spirit came on us, you talk about a five dollar blessing. How many know there was a lot more going on Hallelujah. than five dollars? It was kind of like that widow's offering because on that day that's all I had. That's all I had. But the Lord, what does He look at? He looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. And if you're thinking, well, I don't have anything, people should be giving to me. That's not the law of Christ. That's like unsaved people think and feel. God so loved the world. That he gave. And that love. That same love. Is shared abroad in our hearts. And we so love. That we give. Stand on your feet everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries. And Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge. You can become a word sender today. For more information. Visit our website at morelife.org.